Hello there. Welcome to Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster and author of Positive Changes, a self-kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z approach of modern day grief healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life. Fear not, it's not just me. Each week, I will bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey. So if you're ready to be inspired, let's go. Today, I am delighted to be joined by the wonderful Grace Grossman. This woman is so courageous. The pandemic really hit Grace hard, and she went from being one of those people that always help others with their mental health into experiencing psychosis. It came out of nowhere, and she checked herself into a mental health hospital, and she shares her journey today. So I guess the trigger for me for the psychosis was a lot of stress. So I was under um, a lot of stress after the pandemic with finding jobs and with kind of, um, yeah, keeping myself up. Um, But it was also a mix of depression. Um, So I was kind of alone a lot of the time as a freelancer. You kind of spend a lot of time alone, especially obviously because of the pandemic, even more so. Um, But I ended up kind of isolating myself and not realizing that not having people around me was really a bad trigger for me because I'm a people person and I I thrive off being around people. And so at this point, I think the trigger really was the stress and the, the aloneness in it all. So if you're out there and you're worrying that you're stressed or burned out, you're hiding under the duvet, please come and meet Grace with me and be inspired to make your own positive changes. Thank you. Today on the show, I am joined by the wonderful Grace Grossman. She is a writer, well-being coach, yoga teacher, and author of the fabulous Chill Out and Cheer Up. So hello there, Grace. Hi, Shelley. How are you? Really good. Well, I've got a sore throat, so if I sound a little bit different than the average episode, I apologise, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Now, bless you, we connected, it seems like months ago, so I'm really glad we finally get to meet because you have the most amazing story of resilience and positive changes. So please dive in and tell us how it all began. Yeah, thank you for having me. So basically, um, I've only just recently been on my mental health journey, as you can you can say. Um, before I wrote my book, I didn't actually have really much personal experience with my mental health. Um, but I had a psychosis back in November, December time when I was living in Berlin. Um, and for those listeners that don't know what that is, that's basically when you kind of hit a wall and you, um, you're you quite disillusional. So you don't really know what's happening in reality. You feel like people are following you, are speaking about you. You maybe have illusions. Um, you have like voices in your head. 
um, you, you isolate yourself. So there's quite a lot to handle when you go through a psychosis. And um, I was alone in Berlin when I went through it. And my friend, my only friend there really that was helping me, she helped submit me into a mental hospital, as you can say. And I never in my life thought I would ever be the one that went, that would go to a mental hospital because I was always the one that was like helping other people, you know. Um, and so, yeah, there I was in the mental hospital with other people that I never thought I would be surrounded around. And um, luckily, um, the support that I had there, the medication that I got there, I did get better eventually. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, where, I, where I'm at. Well, I was released out of the hospital just about two months ago. So now I'm still kind of getting used to back to reality and, um, yeah kind of getting on my two feet again thank you so much for sharing I'm just kind of blown away and thinking like yes Grace because as you say you were that person that was always helping others always helped others and I can really relate to that not just as my nursing career or a mum but I think just as in personality type that I do always help others and you think you never would have thought you'd been there and I think that's really important to say because there's loads of people out there, there's judgment everywhere around mental health, which is what I'm trying to break down these barriers and these stigmas and things. And as you said, I never thought I'd be the person to be in a mental health hospital, but you were. Was there, I'm assuming, a trigger or a significant change that led to you helping others into this psychosis? Um, so I guess the trigger for me for the psychosis was a lot of stress. So I was under um, a lot of stress after the pandemic with finding jobs and with kind of, um, yeah, keeping myself up. Um, but it was also a mix of depression. Um, so I was kind of alone a lot of the time as a freelancer. You kind of spend a lot of time alone, especially obviously because of the pandemic, even more so. Um, but I ended up kind of isolating myself and not realizing that not having people around me was really a bad trigger for me because I am a people person and I, I thrive off being around people. And so at this point, I think the trigger really was the stress and the, the aloneness in it all. I still just think it's so powerful because I was thinking like psychosis. I've always heard about psychosis sort of when there's been an underlying mental health issue or a lot in pregnancy. I know a lot of people experience like um, yeah, postnatal psychosis. Yeah. yeah. So that hormonal rush, you know, and the whole thing that motherhood is very overwhelming. So as you said, that stress along with the hormones. But I'm just thinking if you're here courageous enough to share and you're still very much on that journey, there must be thousands of others out there, Grace. Do you know what I mean? As you're saying, like the pandemic, you was already a lone worker, so you're always isolated anyway. But as you say, that's stress and then that constant stress because it's a real loss of control, the pandemic, wasn't it? Like you couldn't go out, you couldn't eat, yeah. you couldn't hug, you couldn't kiss you know, but it's still quite a simple trigger, but it's a trigger that has affected millions of us across the world. Oh, for sure. And I think now more than ever, I would say that mental health is kind of not a taboo at the moment. Um, I, you know, that's kind of maybe a positive outcome of the um, pandemic, not that there's more people suffering from depression, not at all, but that the more people that suffer, the more voices we hear. 
Um, and I think that's also kind of what the pandemic has built, this kind of communication, open communication and connection between one another, that we understand each other better now, because unfortunately, more people are going through worse, worse situations than ever, you know, with their mental health. I mean, one in three people have anxiety and, and depression these days. And I think it's the, the numbers and the, the statistics of just, I was looking at it the other day while writing my new book, actually, and it it's just incredible to see that all of this, you know, all of this stress, this worldwide stress has kind of formed new mental health issues. And, you know, this, well, at the same time, though, we're, we're becoming more open towards it. So I guess we can say that it's a positive at the same time. Yeah, and I say you're thinking about the stress element, you know, the job loss, and you seem quite isolated. You know, it's quite an isolated yeah. anyway when you're freelance. But as well as the stress, I think there's the grief that we've all seen as well. Like there's so much loss. So you've got like the loss of your job and your finances and security and control. But then there's the death element of the pandemic or the loss of health. I mean, like I'm living with long COVID, and here we are, like you know, a year on, and I'm still ill with it. So there is so much right. loss, so much stress, and you're thinking. I know there's positive stories out there and I'm all for the positive changes. You know, they're the positive, the people that did the entrepreneur and they went online and then they're all like making six figures and that's gorgeous and that's brilliant. But let's not lose sight of the one in three with anxiety and depression, the people that have lost people, people that are still living with their health. And I just thinking, I'm so glad you're courageous enough to be so kind of still in your journey and sharing because I bet people out there just nodding away. Do you know what I mean? thinking like thank you Grace yes this is me I you know it was yeah. too much because I'm still surprised that you can go from a place of stress to a place of psychosis that must have been so scary for you to be stressed and a oh, bit lonely yeah. and then suddenly you're in this psychosis so if it's not too raw I don't know unsettle you but just tell us like about that flip from like stress that we all encounter into that psychosis Oh, it was scary, Shelley. Like I was in bed the whole time, kind of not able to get up at times because I was so scared of what would happen. I wasn't able to go outside really onto the metro or the tram anymore because I thought people were following me and I wasn't able to make food or even make a cup of tea. It was all just too much for me. Like any little thing, even showering was too much for me. Like uh, there was times where I, I literally just felt like, disabled in bed and didn't know what to do with myself so it's a very scary time I mean the thing is psychosis hits everyone differently so um you can be quite erratic as well and like kind of talk um about things that don't make sense at all um luckily I didn't have that but it was more for me that I felt followed a lot of the time and I felt like ending my own life unfortunately and I never ever thought I would ever be in such a situation because I am such an optimistic person and like yourself I help other people um that go through this but I kind of feel like it's a gift from God that I've been through this situation now so I can help people better if you know what I mean because I've been there myself um but it was a very scary time because it was just, I basically just didn't feel like living anymore. And it was just horrible. I never thought I would ever get to that point of not wanting to live because I'm a very grateful person and I have the best support system. I have the best family and friends. So it just shows, doesn't it? I've had the best, you know, life in general. Like I've never had, there's nothing really that's out of, out of form in my life, so to say. So it shows that mental health can 
really go corrupt in anybody's life, no matter what they've been through. It doesn't mean that you've had to have a bad upbringing or anything like that. You can, it can just hit you at any point. And I think that's the scariest part of mental health issues. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's brilliant that you can share that. I mean, you know, to go from helping others into being sort of like taken into hospital, mental health hospital, it's just so important to share that it can happen to anyone. And I, you know, if there is someone listening today and they are, you know, in their bed and they can't shower or eat and things like that, you know, you say you've been there, you would never expect to be there, but you have been, but then you hear, you know, being courageous and sharing to help them. So I love that. Was there like a light bulb moment or was there a tool that got you out? Cause obviously at some point you've gone from your beds, you know, to the hospital how did you make that transition to not take your own life but you know to get help with your life um I definitely think it was my family and friends um I my best friend in Berlin really helped me kind of get out of it because she was like you know really there for me and was like look we have to do something about this so I didn't feel alone in it if you know if I would if I had been left alone then I don't think I would have done anything about it I think it was definitely someone that had to push me to be like look this can't go on anymore um and like the thing is when you are so alone and isolated you don't have the you don't have the energy to message anyone so at one point I, I just I wasn't replying to anyone and then I really realized to myself this isn't me and I think it was the realization that I was like wow I'm so disconnected to myself that it was so scary that that my friends and family could tell because I wasn't replying and then I was like okay if if they're all completely worried about me then surely I have to do something about it and I thought the only way was to kind of check myself into a mental health hospital because I didn't see any other way of coping with it. And I think that's amazing. I think it's more courageous to do that, isn't it? Because I don't think anyone would really think, do you know what I'm going to do? I mean, sometimes you might like reach out to a friend, you might reach out to a doctor to go full on into a hospital. I think it's probably one of the most powerful steps you've taken. I just love that. So did your family support you in that? Was that just a, a grace moment? <laughs> I know my family fully supported me. Like they actually thought it was the best decision in it um, because I was alone in Berlin. Um, I'd previous, well, I'd broken up with my boyfriend last year. A lot of stuff had happened. My parents had broken up as well. So I think it was a buildup of heartbreak and heartache that kind of also led me to the psychosis. And um yeah, they were all fully supporting me. They all kind of told me this is the best thing I can do. And it it was amazing what support system like I had during that time that I never really knew I had. Um, but, you know, they kind of sprung up out of nowhere and were like, you're doing the best thing you can do for yourself. And, you know, reminding me that that's what I should be doing. And it, in a time where I didn't think that I felt like I should be in this place, the the one affirmation that was always in my mind is there's nowhere you shouldn't be. <laughs> and that was always something that I just had to keep reminding myself every day when I woke up that I was like, there's nowhere I shouldn't be. I am here. I'm where I need to be, even when it didn't feel like it you know 
that was definitely something I had to remind myself and I think to the listeners like even when you don't feel like you should be somewhere there is no way you shouldn't be and I think this is a really great affirmation to to remind yourself of it's beautiful I've never heard that but I really like it you know yeah I've never heard it and I know sort of like um throughout life we all go through a point where we have that niggle like you know life could be lovely or good enough but we have that inner niggle where we think oh and you know I want more and I'm destined for more there must be more to life than this and all those things but I love that that there's nowhere you shouldn't be because I think it's divine timing everything happens for a reason so I really like that exactly yeah so like the mental health hospital there's one where we live but I know that over the years people always have flashbacks to that film um one flew over the cuckoo's nest where it's all like manipulated and throwing sinks and you know awful things but what is it like you know in case people have still got those images they're thinking I'm never going to get help it's all right for you Grace but you know that's actually I think that is where I shouldn't be so (laughs) what is it like inside a mental health hospital yeah I definitely had that impression before I went in as well I was like oh my gosh where am I going I don't feel that crazy you know but I have to say that um so I went to one in Berlin and then my dad came to Berlin on my birthday while I was in the clinic and took me back to the south of Germany where he lived and the one here in the south of Germany was much more normal let's say than the one in Berlin as you can imagine Berlin is full of crazy creative people so um Berlin hospital was quite like the cookies nest let's say like I had this lady who just tried to keep kissing me all the time um she would just come up to me no it wasn't R it was on the lips (laughs) and I was like oh no please go away um I was sharing a room with the lady who literally did not make sense in anything she was saying it was the one in Berlin was very much more like I was on edge I didn't feel comfortable but funnily enough coming to the one in the south of Germany I actually fell in love with someone in the mental clinic (laughs) which is another story to tell but now Um, you found someone you wanted to kiss on the lips (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's true (laughs) um yeah so I think big city clinics can be quite um, extreme because you have every kind of person there Um, but maybe the ones that are more rural like the one I went to in Cal where Herman Hesse is from um, is was much more um, normalized let's say with the people and the surroundings (laughs) but um, yeah it's nothing to be scared of it's it's a hospital in itself so any hospital you go to right you you know as a nurse you're gonna have um different kinds of people in there but there's nothing to be scared of as such because you do meet really interesting people I have to say I I built friendships in there and I I built a relationship in there which I never thought in a million years would happen (laughs) I love that I I love the fact that somebody was trying to kiss you I thought anyway it's on the lips and I thought oh yeah it was a (laughs) pandemic maybe not but I just think (laughs) it probably just like really heightened your emotions in there I don't know but I just thought I thought it was quite cute but maybe not Um, (laughs) so I suppose it depends I mean I was really surprised to hear that you had to share a room yeah we had to share a room that's true it wasn't the nicest Uh, yeah everyone does I think it's because the clinics aren't big enough um 
if you think about it so not everyone can have their own room with a shower and a, and a toilet um unfortunately that's not the way it goes it just shows how many people suffer from mental health issues actually doesn't it yeah um I think the worst case scenarios did have their own room but on yeah but the, the big the most occasion then you had to share a room with someone and that was interesting in itself because I had to swap rooms all the time or or someone would be coming in and out of my room every week I mean I was in the clinic for like four months so I had a lot of different roommates um and it really taught me a lot on how to to handle people and it taught me a lot about different mental health issues as well actually that I never even knew existed um so yeah it wasn't it wasn't the most comfortable but you got used to it. I'm a very open person, so it wasn't something that I suffered from at all. Yes, I just it feels quite unsettling. Do you know what I mean to have so much change? But you'd had change with the breakup of your relationship, the breakup of your parents. Then you're in this place, and there's still more change going on. I just think you must have quite a year. I know people always say about the, you know, 2020 and that, but your story is just amazing. Goes above and beyond. I just love what you're sharing today. So you spoke about writing. Did you start writing in the hospital? Uh, well, I've always written. However, during my psychosis and being in the hospital, I, I had a stage where I wasn't writing at all. It was actually when I came to Calv, um, this, this hospital in the south of Germany, that I started writing again. I was so inspired by people around me and I think I was inspired because I was falling in love that I started writing again on Medium, which is a platform um, where you write articles and stuff like that. So I was writing more articles about my story in the mental clinic and then I was just doing it out of interest and because I didn't want to kind of forget it myself. It was more of like a diary style. And then I started writing a new book and I was like, wow, I think I think I was just so inspired by the actual experience in there that my passion came back again and it became more fluid. And then when I was writing more, I could tell that I was healing and it was a really nice feeling that I was like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm coming back to me again. You know, starting to write again was my form of, my form of healing and my form of connecting with myself again. So it's very powerful for me to, to write because if I if I don't write then I just I don't feel right <laughs> yeah no I love that and you're um, a writer a freelance writer and an author but you're also a yoga teacher and a well-being coach did you do yoga before the psychosis or is this another healing tool no I did it before I've been practicing for five years now I trained in India as well and unfortunately obviously I had to stop teaching while I was in the in the clinic um but yoga has always been a tool for me to kind of de-stress however when I was ill in the clinic I wasn't doing it at all either it, there was a stage for a few months where I wasn't doing anything for myself and I think to those listeners that are going through something a mental health issue is completely understandable you just you don't have any lust in you in you to just do anything at all for yourself so I'm steadily getting back into yoga um it's something that I used to wake up to every morning. Now more, now I'm trying to get back into it. Um, but again, it's something that I'm not hard on myself about because, you know, it's like one of those things where 
if you like oh I need to do this then the more you don't want to do it if you know what yeah. I mean so I try not to put strain on myself about it but if I ever feel like doing it I'll come to it because yeah yoga has always been that tool for me that's kind of just helped me reconnect with myself again yeah no I love a bit of yoga I must say I'm uh, not not to your standard not five years but I do love it <laughs> <laughs> So bless you, you've got these tools that you shared today, like the writing and the yoga and the support system that you had when you needed it most. So the people that are out there today, and I said like they're there, maybe not psychosis, but that stress at risk of burnout. What one positive change could they create today towards positive changes? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's to take the time for yourself. So don't forget to to really nurture yourself. And the thing is, we have all of these different tools available to us and everyone has a different tool that's good for them. So for me, it's writing, but for you, it could be drawing or painting or I don't know, crocheting, you know, like all of these new things that I think we've also discovered during the pandemic that because we've had more time on our hands, fortunately, in that way, that um, take time to do whatever makes your soul feel good. And that also is, you know, can include gardening and getting out there with people and connecting with one another. In my book, I, I say connection is a massive thing for humans, for interaction, you know, for us to thrive off one another. And as I mentioned before, that that lack of interaction for me really got me down. So don't forget that you have that support system there for you and if that means just ringing someone up that can be your time for yourself that will you know lead you away from maybe suffering more and you know just kind of finding what feels good for you is is the best thing you can do I was smiling as you're saying that because I launched a death cafe here in Northampton and oh, wow. the whole launch thing was participation, not isolation. And it is just sort of nice. like getting people out from their homes, just that piece of conversation, just, you know, you're going to come in, we're going to talk about death and grief and you're safe. So I love that whole participation, not isolation. Yeah, that's it's completely true. Bless you. So you do a, a weekly newsletter, don't you, where you sort of share these tips and tools and things like that. How can you offer that freebie to the listeners today? Where can they sign up for that? Yeah, sure. So you can sign up for it on my website at www.gracegrossman.com or via the link in my bio in my Instagram at Gracie Grossman. Um, and I also have a first self-help book. Um, so I have two self-help books, but the first one is shorter and it's about spring 2020. So uh, realistically how the pandemic, the start of the pandemic shaped us and how we can kind of use our time alone to be more um, flourishing for ourselves. Um, so yeah, you can check out either of my books as well. Um, and it will help you become more fulfilled, let's say. <laughs> I've loved that. I've just loved this time as well. I just think it's been fabulous. I think so many people are out there and they haven't spoken out about where they're at now, where they've been in the past year. So Grace, thank you so much for joining us today. I think it's been really valuable. Oh, thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. 
if you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing. <laughs>